This is a presentation of the Pitch Podcast Network. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Streetwise Podcast, an extension of the Pitch in Kansas City. I'm your host, Brock Wilbur. Uh, I'm also the editor-in-chief over at The Pitch, and currently, I am a man hiding in his basement from a tornado. Sorry, I'm so sorry I'm recording this right now. Uh, yeah, so uh, here we are uh, at 1.30 a.m. on a Wednesday morning. Uh, for the first time since moving to the place that we live now, uh, we are in the basement, which uh, I'd always worried, what would we do with the menagerie of pets? Well, Bernstein the cat uh, attempts to come into the basement anytime I open the door to the basement. I, I oftentimes worry I'm going to fall down the stairs trying to keep him out of the basement. No, no one's allowed in the basement except for Brock. That is Brock's safe space from all the various dog and cat hairs. Um, <laughs> So Bernstein always makes a rush for the door. Sometimes he gets down here. Good. More alerts on the phone. Uh, Woodward, the cat, um, has never really had interest, but now he is down here with his brother, and Woodward and Bernstein are rubbing their cat butts and their cat faces on absolutely everything. Uh, We have been down here for about 10 minutes, and there is already fur... On everything, which, I don't know, if the tornado hits, nothing fucking matters anymore. It's perfectly fine. Um, The big victory here is that we got the dog down here. The dog, I did not know if he would ever fit down the stairs. The stairs are very, very... the, The angle is very difficult. I can't make it down the stairs without scrunching over. Uh, So I do a lot of that to get down to my little recording man cave down here and the dog looked at the stairs and made a little yeep of like I don't think that's for me uh and uh my wife Vivian here helped get him down the stairs uh where he is now um proceeding to just shoot fur and hair all over everything on our little couch here this is fine this is you know what I'm overdue to clean everything down here this is reason to do so again assuming that we have a house 10 minutes from now. Um, so just checking the uh, weather channel behind me, the uh, local Fox affiliate uh, definitely was not planning on having somebody covering this because currently they were supposed to be running the Soup Nazi episode of uh, Seinfeld. And I was like, boy, I hope that they've pushed Soup Nazi. Uh, and they've got this guy who I can't wait to tweet at him tomorrow and tell him what an excellent job he's doing. Uh, but they just uh, grabbed someone and put him on Zoom. Uh, and he is... Uh, sharing his screen with us of the radar and telling us when things are going poorly, uh, when they are turning red and when somebody should get to a safe space. And to be fair, this is excellent, and I I love him for it. This is uh, horribly uncomforting uh, in terms of what's on the screen, but, sir, you are doing an excellent job, and I cannot wait to befriend you and have you as a guest on next week. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) this is an intro. Um... There's going to be some things in this episode and some stuff. Uh, Hey, uh, Jason, why don't you take it away? Craft Singles, Seven Breweries You Need to Hit This Summer by Thomas White and Adam Wilbers. Kansas City's craft beer scene has a pint for everyone this summer. 
Whether you're into sipping suds on a patio, crushing cans to stay cool, or throwing back oat sodas, KC is chock full of tasty taps. Narrowing the list to seven is a tall task. Journalism is hard work, but we do it for the people. So we rolled up our sleeves and ripped some 16-ounce supersets. We finally woke up a week later with this list typed out and safety pinned to our chest. 1. Border Brewing Company When it first opened in early 2015, Border Brewing Company set the trend in the East Crossroads, before the banks, condos, and seemingly every third Casey brewery came to the district. Recently, the there-before-it-was-cool brewers relocated. They didn't go far, just a block away to 512 East 18th Street. Border takes pride in their Casey roots. Everything there is local. The beer, the bar snacks, even the wood for the tables, chairs, flight boards, and the bar itself, which was sourced from Urban Lumber Company where they harvest local waste trees and save them from a trashy demise and transform them into fine pieces of functional art. Somewhere on the Peacock streaming app, Ron Swanson is smiling down on the Urban Lumber Company. Border's strength lies in the variety of beer-style options that delight the palates of the Coors-drinking craft beer newbie and the wax-mustachioed beer snob. If all you've ever had is Bud Light, we get excited to help you jump into the world of craft beer, says Border Manager Jessica Bloom. We take big pride in our customer service. Their strawberry blonde is a crowd-pleaser, featured in a previous Best of KC issue, and made with an in-house strawberry puree. On the first taste, you'll notice that they use real strawberries. The tartness of fresh fruit is a dead giveaway. Artificial purees are often saccharine sweet. The Lima Fresca lager is crisp and goes down almost too easy on those hot days, with its thirst-quenching yet subtle lime and salt combination. The brewers dry hop the recipe with lime zest, and staff members top off the pint with some hand-squeezed lime juice. The flavor blend practically dares you to grab some tacos from a first Friday food truck. There won't be a dull moment at Border this summer. The new location has a stage and outdoor seating with urban green space. There's live local music on Sunday afternoons, trivia on Wednesday nights, sporting KC watch parties, and even themed You're the DJ events on Fridays. 2. Casual Animal Casual Animal serves as an East Crossroads indoor beer oasis at 1725 McGee Street. Owners Laura and Kyle Gray opened the space in 2018, drawing inspiration from their time absorbing the beer culture in Fort Collins, Colorado. Kyle Gray's 12 years as a graphic designer is on display in each brew's label art, and throughout the space's vivid murals. Gray's designs also make for some of the niftiest beer-themed merch in the city. The taproom has working-on-my-thesis vibes with exposed brick walls, hanging plants, skylights, Edison bulbs, and rugs on cement floors that really tie the whole room together. Our vibe and our aesthetic are eclectic. It's really an amalgamation of all the things we love, from the different places we've traveled to and breweries we've visited over the years, says Laura Gray. The brewer focuses on a wide-ranging menu free of flagship beers. Casual Animal runs on a small seven-barrel brewing system, which allows everything to be fresh, new, and experimental. But don't fret. Favorites are often brought back seasonally, as the beer list constantly changes. The local motive is one of few mainstays, and for good reason. Two dollars of every purchase goes to a local nonprofit. Look for a bronze lager called the Bronze Falcon, a strawberry wheat named Koala Berry, or the Shuttlecock Lager for something light and refreshing as you soak up the AC this summer. We particularly enjoyed the experimental Hazy IPA. The brew team at Casual consistently experiments with the hops in this beer, eliciting new and surprising herbaceous notes. On our trip, the experimental Hazy IPA had an aroma of tropical fruits, 
a mild malt backbone, and an ever-shifting complexity. If you'd like a beer and a laugh this summer, the second and fourth Tuesday of the month feature a comedy show arranged by John Cheeser. 3. Brewery Imperial Fashioning as an homage to Imperial Brewing, as well as a European-style beer garden, Brewery Imperial has been slinging quality brews in a one-of-a-kind social setting since 2016. The name comes from two words smashed together, empirical, as in fact, and imperial, as in majestic or royal. The main draw is a large outdoor beer garden that includes graffiti-decorated steel cargo containers, a solar awning, fire pits, picnic tables, and umbrellas. Brewery Imperial focuses on the social experience and uses an ordering system through the GoTab app so you can have your beer when you want it as well as your conversation uninterrupted. The setup encourages old friends, family, and even pets to pass the time unbothered by TV screens or overzealous servers. Biscuit is one of their more popular options year-round and is a classic English-style special bitter, ESB. Don't be scared off. In England, if you order a pint of bitters, you get what looks like an Irish red and tastes nothing like the IPAs we are used to. That's because hops grow better and are more potent in the U.S., and Brits have a different standard for bitterness in beer. 4. Cinderblock Bryce Shafter opened Cinderblock Brewery in 2013 after his wife nudged him into brewing somewhere other than their basement. Cinderblock was one of the first five breweries to open in the metro. At the time, North Kansas City was lined with manufacturing and industrial warehouses, so Cinderblock chose to cater to their working-class neighborhood with both styles and names like Pavers Porter and Weathered Wit. Their six-hot block IPA was their initial hit, and its piney and citrus notes can now be found on taps all around town. Shafter's wife made him promise to brew hard cider, which is her favorite beverage, and thanks to her, Cinderblock produces the only local hard ciders in the metro. There's an annual rotating cast of dry ciders made in both English and French traditions with local apples, pears, and cherries. During the summer, Cinderblock offers a cherry limeade cider that tastes better and goes down easier than sneaking vodka into your sonic drink. Check out the North Kansas City Tap Room's large outdoor patio. The terrace has picnic tables, rotating food trucks, greenery, giant Jenga, and yard games. Visit on a Monday to indulge in $3 flagship brews, or check out Firkin Fridays for a true old-school experience of how beer used to be served, a wooden barrel placed on a counter where a one-off beer is tapped for that night only. Just think of the tavern scene in Beauty and the Beast. 5. Strange Days Strange Days Brewing Company is a bustling brew house near City Market and occupies part of the historic Mühlbach Brewery in Schlitz Building. The brewery opened in 2018 with a name to reference the modern strangeness we are all living through and gathers inspiration from their multicultural neighborhood, while using global styles and ingredients in their processes. Their willingness to experiment with more non-traditional flavors has yielded many unusual combinations, such as the Peach Limousine Milkshake IPA, the Maple Blueberry Smoothie Fruit Sour with warm notes of vanilla and cinnamon, and the Pina Colada-inspired Gold Sand Beaches Imperial Pastry Blonde Ale. Most beers are brewed as one-offs, and Strange Days focuses on heavily fruited recipes, hazy IPAs, and big stouts. However, head brewer Trevor Schlamm emphasizes the ability to make lighter lagers and more crushable beers, like the ones brewed for Nighthawk. Strange Days is a local supporter of the Tottenham Soccer Club and hosts watch parties for European football fanatics. Other summer festivities include live DJ events, food trucks on first Fridays, and an assortment of pop-ups including the Wasteland Society. 6. Rock Creek Brewing Rock Creek Brewing Company is a small-scale brewery in Mission, Kansas founded by two friends at Cerner who enjoyed working and drinking together. 
The two bonded over a love of craft beer and began a search for the right location in Brewmaster for their own vision. They found their spot in a walkable mission location with quaint indoor seating and slightly larger patio. They eventually procured their first Brewmaster and opened during our first pandemic summer, becoming a pleasant neighborhood spot to decompress, six feet apart. Rock Creek aims to keep prices low. Most brews top out at $5 a pint, and tipping isn't required. But if you do opt for generosity, all tips instead go toward local nonprofits. Rock Creek has donated nearly $90,000 to the community since their grand opening in June 2020. A typical summer day at Rock Creek might involve a few beers on the patio, an adjacent food truck such as Estrella Azul, Smoke and Soul, or Taco To Go, or even some Charleston popcorn if you just have the munchies. Celebrate the company's anniversary this month with the Cosmic Punch Yeast and Phantasm and the commemorative New England IPA. Or try the In Transit Cream Ale for its silky mouthfeel and hint of citrus. Don't skip the Zocahedron Oat Lager, which is Rock Creek's honorary 100th brew. 7. Crane Brewing Michael Crane was already a famed home brewer in 2015 before upscaling and opening Crane Brewing at 6515 Railroad Street in Raytown, Missouri. Craft beer culture is often fixated on what's new and different, so when Michael Crane came to the beer festival scene with a beet-infused Berliner-style sour wheat ale, the lines were comparable to those of Black Friday early birds. Crane has been known for sours and farmhouse ales ever since, but they feature less intensive offerings like Odd Bird, a corn-based light lager, and Thunder Gong, a wheat beer brewed with orange peel and just a touch of hops. Crane also offers beer slushies, where some of their more fruit-forward offerings are dispensed from a Slurpee machine. We sampled Hipster Buzzwords, a new hazy New England-style IPA that's citrusy, hoppy, and appropriately chewy. It checks all the boxes you and your record collection could hope for. The Strange to Explain is a sour IPA made with Caracara oranges. It's complex and tasty, but also, well, difficult to describe. Crane's Rustic Taproom, located just off the Rock Island bike trail, is only enhanced by their rotating food trucks in collaboration with Hart Barbecue. A full menu of small-batch barbecue is available from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. every Saturday, and tacos are served on Fridays after 5 p.m. Tyler Harp's brisket has become one of the most coveted pieces of meat in the city. Harp says that despite supply chain issues driving up the price, they'll always have it. Nothing says Kansas City summer, quite like posting up in a taproom just off a gravel road, while eating world-class meats and washing it all down with exceptionally unique beer. And now it's time for Nick's Music Corner, yay! <laughs> Hello, I'm Nick Spasic, music editor for The Pitch, here with this week's local music recommendation. In July of last year, we premiered Pure XTC's Ghost, the debut single from Baltimore to KC transplant Taylor Hughes. It was a minimalist piece of dark wave synth pop, and the full EP on which it appears, Nobody's Home, followed in November. Now, Hughes is preparing to release another EP later this year, and the first single from it, Shadow, premiered this week. The new track is an absolute explosion of energy and power with an ebb and flow which will absolutely suck you in as you listen. The way Hughes has honed pure XTC's electropop into something this instantly memorable is striking, and we can't wait to hear more. Should you wish to see and hear pure XTC, Hughes is playing the Kansas City Pride Festival on Saturday, June 11th, as well as Boulevardia on Saturday, June 18th, with shows on the East and West Coast later this year. You can find information about everything Pure XTC at purextcmusic.com. Here's Shadow. I think I could lose my head. Stone and 
All right. Uh, here's an interview I did with uh, Anna Mae Smith uh, about uh, what it's like to do comedy in 2022. I really wish I would have recorded this uh, part during uh, the tornado, uh, but you'll you'll enjoy. Enjoy the laughs. Enjoy the fun. Enjoy the giggles. Oh, my God. I hope I don't die while recording this. Oh, it sounds very bad out there. Okay. Okay. My name is hey, Anna, Anna. Welcome to the show. Would you introduce yourself to the audience? You won't. Oh, no, I will. This is going to be complicated. My name's Anna and I can't remember how I know the, I know the pitch because I live in Kansas city and I don't remember how I know Brock, to be honest. I think it's because we were sort of neighbors. (laughs) Is that even true? I might've made that up. I I wouldn't put that in the top five reasons we know each other. Also, as you introduce yourself to the audience, what's your full name? Because uh, it just sounds like you're you're under witness protection at this point. <laughs> That's a little bit how I felt when I said it. Uh, okay. If that helps, my name's Anna Mae Smith. What else do you want? <laughs> this is already the best interview that we've ever done uh, I'm really for the sake sorry. of journalism. No, uh, uh, so you are a, a comedian here in the Kansas City area. You've been at it for a very long time, and you are very goddamn good at what you do. And I have not gotten a chance to hang out with you in forever. And it feels like we have some things to catch up on that might be worth catching up on for the good of everyone, uh, at least to tackle them with a bit of levity. And you are making a face as if, um, yeah, I'm about to talk to you about tax code, uh, the inheritance (laughs) tax and what it means for our generation. So I'll let you begin. Um, Great, 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 great. I have really strong opinions on this. I'm really glad that you brought me in. Um, I don't, I'm got, I'm in that face because I got scared. Are we talking about something important? (laughs) Well, uh, as you know, the pitch is backed by the Koch brothers. So like, uh, we have to like keep this really, really funneled in. No, um, so I I guess the first thing I'd really like to talk to you about, because I know that you are out there in the world doing this. uh, And like, I had through pandemic, uh, this genuine fear that like, maybe much like buffets and hugging strangers, comedy might not come back. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I wanted to ask what your experience has been in what has certainly been like a long, slow wind up uh, with, with peaks and valleys in coming back to live performance over the last like year now. (laughs) Yeah. My experience and my observation are two very different things. Okay. My, my experience of comedy has been like, um, for me personally, like a, a real spotty return with even spottier quality of performance. Um, but my observation, oh, wait, there's my experience, my observation, and then my expectation. I also had a, a sort of cynical expectation, but actually my observation is that comedy exploded since the pandemic or during the pandemic. Going into it, there were some open mics. There were quite a few here and there. There were um, occasional opportunities, occasional paid opportunities. Now there's multiple open open mic nights every night a week, at least in this city, if this mm-hmm. city is somehow a reflection of anything at large. And then uh, 
and uh, constant shows and like all the shows are expected to pay their performers now. Um, so it's, it, it's a weird reflection of like what is happening with staffing across like the service industry and so on is that somehow yeah. the entertainment world for the first time is like, hey, what if people only showed up if they were paid because everyone's in danger and even before they were in danger, we're providing a service uh, that required, like a, the effort that goes into putting together a five minute set uh, that is not awful uh, is is literally dozens to maybe hundreds of hours <laughs> over the course of yeah. time. So like, yeah, to get, uh, you know, a couple of drink tickets and maybe 10 bucks is not the worst that capitalism could do for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't possibly relate to uh, having five minutes that aren't terrible. However, um, I will say I'm, I'm on both the comedian side of it and the producer side of it. Um, and in both, my opinions are the same in both, which is like really I, uh, just an, a sense of understanding for both sides. Uh, as a comedian, um, I think it's great that everyone's getting paid. As a producer, I also think it's great that everyone's getting paid. I just I only produce indie shows, so I just can't always do it. And mm -hmm. um, I have full respect for anyone who's like, if you can't pay, I can't come up. And I'm like, that is very fair. Because um, I agree with you. I think it just, it's a money thing that happened when everyone was like, oh, okay, if you want, yeah, if, if we're just piles of money in this world, then then uh then yeah throw more on my pile otherwise i, won't oh, I want anyone i know in their 30s to be able to self-identify as a pile of money <laughs> oh I, I i had such an awful reaction in my chest to that thing that you I just know. said if, oh i hope i said it with the right tone <laughs> i meant it like oh, what is the opposite of a pile of money a devoid of money if i could a debt of uh, a debt of gratitude <laughs> My, uh, yeah, uh, that's what, yeah, yeah, gratitude is the opposite of a pile of money. I what know. What is the opposite I, of the intro to DuckTales? Like, instead of diving into a bunch of gold <laughs> coins, if you were to hit the ground and bleed out slowly, because it's it, there's nothing there, and then somebody were to be like, you buy too much avocado toast, that's why you don't have a swimming pool full of coins. Yeah, I think it'd just be those jackass stunts, but without the celebrity, it would just be like, you lost a nut, but you don't have insurance. <laughs> and it wasn't. I love thinking about Ryan Dunn as a celebrity, but here we are. <laughs> you know there, who he is. There, there was a period where I was at music uh, festivals in like the late aughts where people would come up to me and think that I was Ryan Dunn. Uh, and I was oh. like, if you know who Ryan Dunn is, you know that he's dead right like i can't be him uh it's one of those things it's like time to like change the beard or the hair or something because people think i'm and you and look like, like a dead body is that what it sounded like, like a decade ago it was kind of weird and now i'm like oh yeah I, that would just be the q on people they'd be like ryan dunn's coming back with jfk jr to bring down hillary clinton at the comet ping pong pizza uh sure I could really lean into that and sell some t-shirts these days. Yeah. Uh, I, so, sorry. <laughs> I'll, I don't want to jump on the bit. Keep going. <laughs> no, there, there's no bit. And this is your show. You're actually the producer of this podcast now. Surprise. Uh, oh, Jesus. What were you about to say? <laughs> 
do you remember what you were about to say? No, it was good. Okay. I was, I was, yeah, I was going to love on the bit. And now I'd just rather be dead. So what were you going to say? <laughs> sounded like you're, this is my favorite post COVID catch up that I, that I've had yet. <laughs> I'm just so sorry. <laughs> just yeah, why? That's about right. <laughs> at least, at least you're exactly who I remember you to be. Um, <laughs> I so this is you're doing both the producer side and the comedian side of things, uh, oh, which present mind, barely for both. All right, continue. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you for reining me in on that. Uh, <laughs> that I would give you any sort of designation or compliment for the profession that you have chosen. Sure, you're welcome. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, both sides of that. Um, I think have to dance around something uh, that started at the beginning of this and continues, which is just sort of that, like, um, it's sort of the opposite of what comedians got at the start of the Trump administration when everyone was like, this is going to be great for you. He's so good for comedy. And all of us were like, it isn't. There's like nothing funny about it. And like, there's no way to heighten any sort of situation here because it's already stupid. Uh, what do you do in the face of, of a worldwide cataclysm and then trying to bring joy into that, but also understanding that it is impossible to ignore it? The thing that, I, that I've gotten to see on my side in interviews around stuff that we've done is that like we have comics that come through town that are like your Brian Regans or something, and they're like, my whole show does not touch on that at all it's sad and we should pretend it didn't happen and it would bring people down to bring it up and then you have like a chelsea handler who's like my entire show is just uh lunatic nonsense i scrawled on the wall with my own feces over the course of the last two years uh while reality slipped away and like i i feel like most comedy at our level in the indie world exists in some sort of happy medium but like both in your material and in like how you put a show together and produce it. Like, how do you approach that? What do you think about? Are you ever like, let's just do one that like is in a void and we're like, yeah, 2019 is basically the yesterday. Like nothing was there. Or like, how do you plan out both sides of that? Both what you do and what kind of people you surround yourself with. Um, I get that. So yeah, I, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of questions in there. One, I, I, yeah, you, it's it's intimidating. Going, it's like the Black Mirror thing. The guy who made Black Mirror and how he was just like, I just can't make any more Black Mirror for a little while because it's just too. It already is. You just can't. There's well, just they made to like, go from he made reality. like two, and before they released, they'd already happened, and he was like, I, oh fuck, like it wasn't even like <laughs> yeah. we're at the script phase. He's like, it's coming out next week. But then it, it came out last week. God damn it. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 Ex- and so, yeah, it's just coming back to it. There is an, yeah, there's an intimidation of like, so there's a huge intimidation of like, oh no, everything's so different now. You're going to have to get every joke to be like, this is my perspective anyway. Every joke has to be like pitch perfect, walking some kind of line where you can make people laugh through this collective trauma we're all having, et cetera, et cetera. Of course, I, I, um, 
like a fucking idiot got a job in December of 2019. So stupid. And then, so I had a job. (laughs) So I I was actually pretty unprepped. So first of all, I went back to shows being like, listen, I'm just going to pull these old jokes from 2017. Sure. They're still relevant. They're not still doing them. It's fine. But also (laughs) something I've noticed is, um, it's, it's, it was all an intimidation factor. It, It, for me personally, that piece of it was kind of the same because even though the world is different and we all experienced a bunch of traumatic stuff, we all have like comedians um, still have their same thought process about everything they're going through sort of. So your writing style or whatever is still going to be exactly the same. It's just going to be about new stuff (laughs) that wouldn't have made sense three years ago. And then some of your stuff from three years ago doesn't make sense now. That's how I experienced it. I can't speak for everybody, but you know, if you had like some hot takes on spoons or pubes or whatever you were up to, then like you now have that same brain, (coughs) excuse me, that probably has those, you know, that, that same uh, just sort of brain process formula of hot takes about like how we're all dying. You know what I mean? Like, so it, it, for me, their writing process is similar. <laughs> um, if it helps though, the laughter is less, so I could be wrong about this. <laughs> I've seen uh, my observation of other people though. It, it kind of appears to be that either you, you know, there's comics who the laughter that they're doing just has, has nothing to do with the moment. It's about like, you know, I know comics who are exclusively just about being silly, kind of like you said, just about just trying to stay away from current events, trying to stay away, you know, making jokes about a Ferris wheel or whatever. And then there are comics who are more personal. There are comics who are more political, but it's all kind of the same stuff. I think it, there was just a massive intimidation factor. I've never thought of it that way. I like that a lot. But also, what does it mean to be up to spoons and pubes? I What is that? <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> you said, I don't know, like if you're up to spoons and pubes and stuff. Like, And I'm like, what does it mean oh. to be up to spoons and pubes? Because I need to know, is, is that something I'm into now? <laughs> no, like if that's what you were joking about in 2019, P.S., that's what I was joking about in 2019 (laughs) that's I think what I meant by up to spoons I was just you know if you're getting up to spoons and pubes on your in your comedy set and now you're getting up to the same I'm sorry (laughs) um I think uh no you know what I thought I was gonna have maybe maybe something was a little bit different, like in the middle there. Um, And then people have just kind of exhausted themselves back into the same mindset. But like just about everyone else on earth, I can't really remember the middle of it because it's all a blur. So I just have this feeling. Every day was the same day for so many days. (laughs) Yeah. All I remember was when I couldn't do live comedy, I just kept getting on like Instagram stories and just like ranting like a psychopath. And my hair was just like sticking straight up and my eye bags were sticking the opposite direction. 
direction. Yeah, I thought your hair during mess. this period was very good. I thought the hair <laughs> out of everything was doing the best, really. It was definitely, yeah, it was definitely a good, it was an artistic reflection of what was happening out of my mouth in those. And so, which was nonsense and uh, alarm. <laughs> um, so... Nonsense alarm, great first album title for you. Like this is good. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but as far as right now, I think it's kind of similar, just different topics, but like the formula of it is about the same. I, I had always been uh, the guy in Los Angeles, which... Uh, well, there's previous, one guy uh, in Los Angeles? Yes, I was, I was Mr. Los Angeles, Greg Los Angeles of the Los oh Angeles. Oh my God, Angeles. that was you? Yeah. Sorry, sorry about so much. <laughs> oh my god! Um, in in both previous relationships and and once I met my wife, uh, a lot of people had to really deal with the fact that I was always the guy in comedy that was like, "Oh, you're in town? Like, come crash on my couch." To ev absolutely everybody, um, which I always loved, um, and I kind of realized that I I missed uh, that. That was one of the things I missed the most during this. And now that. Uh, friends in sort of the indie comedy world are starting to travel again without having to be booked at comedy club of Kansas city or whatever. Uh, I'm starting to have people on our couch again, which now it's Kansas city. So it's a guest bedroom because nothing costs anything here. Um, but like um, my friend, John Michael Bond came through a couple of weeks ago uh, and I got to see him do a new hour. And that's a person I've known for a decade and he didn't hit on uh, anything pandemic related, it was a lot about him and his life, but it was a reminder to me that like, that's a person that I think I know better than most people in the world. And almost everything he said in his hour about his perspectives on the world, his upbringing, his relationship with his wife, were all brand new things to me. And like on the drive back to our place, I was just like, oh, I think what I actually missed was watch watching like people I know <laughs> unpack like everything inside of them and be like, here, you get to go home with this. Check under your seats because it's some of my trauma from childhood, but also some hilarious stories. And I'm just like, I, I know you 10 times better than I did four years ago after just watching you perform for an hour here in Kansas City. And I was like, oh, I, I, I don't know what to do with the fact that I was like, that's, that's what I really missed was, was some of that. And like, I haven't been back at the shows in the way that I used to be, and I haven't been um, catching up with people. Uh, but now that people are starting to travel through, I'm getting to see them and getting to see people I know from Kansas City opening and being like, oh, it's a, it, it's a weird way of like reconnecting to people's lives, but also not just in that way where you're finally like, oh, I think it's safe. Let's all go get drinks. And then no one has the excuse to get out of drinks anymore. So you actually have to show up. <laughs> Uh, I was like, I, it's a reminder that comedy actually does bring friends and people closer together if that's your approach to it. And like, I, I was really excited to speak to you about like how you are getting back out there. How do you feel about being back out? It's, uh, we, we are, you, you, you said it a second ago, you're like, I don't know, is Kansas City a good reflection of like a comedy town? And like, think that it is because we're exactly in the middle on this so like both performing and producing feels like the answers here really matter for larger markets and smaller markets like 
tell me about how you feel as a person being back with peers at in the city. Can I first say that all of your questions are a hundred questions in one <laughs> and it's exciting. <laughs> But Do you think I'm the worst me... journalist? Am I really bad at no. this? Like, oh no, oh, I just sent it people was. emails for two years instead of talking to them in person. Oh, I feel so bad now. No, that's not that's not what that was at all. I apologize, <laughs> but I don't because also because that is <laughs> no, it's wonderful. It's just it takes me a minute to be like, what, what? Uh, ooh, I'm so excited. What's gonna happen next? Because. I'm not so quick anyway, so <laughs> I'll speak. I'm so glad you're comedy. excited. Three weeks ago at a comedy show, I got a concussion because I fell off a scooter <laughs> indoors. And so um, that's one thing I have thoughts of on. How did the scooter come to be also, on the indoors? Oh, someone owned it. And I don't know. Don't worry about it. But <laughs> I I uh, still haven't ridden one uh, because I just got on it and then just w- went backwards when I hit go. Um, but it's uh, I am self-conscious now that I'm just like, am I just stupid now? Can I not follow? Maybe you're maybe you are the best journalist in the entire world. And I just can't process what you're saying anymore. <laughs> but um neither here nor there. The question was about my experience as a human being on this earth and having peers. Is that right? <laughs> oh no. I you don't got know. My feelings are too hands. hard to recall where we started <laughs> so on this one. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess I was asking you, do you experience ennui? And you were like, no, but I can inflict it on others. What's am? There we go. <laughs> so sorry can we start this over tomorrow <laughs> no absolutely not i will never come back to this conversation oh, God. I'm, I'm looking so... for an outright fucking now <laughs> too um what well so i struggle i think uh really with this question it has nothing to do you're an excellent journalist it has nothing to do with that it i think my struggle with this question is maybe from the sort of beginning i don't know <laughs> I, I, um, I might be a terrible candidate because I have, uh, had, um, I enjoy the comedy scene a lot. Um, but I know at least in stand-up comedy, for whatever reason in the Midwest, stand-up comedy and improv comedy are kept very, very separate from each other. And I don't Mm -hmm. know why that is. Um, but they're mad at each other and they're kept separate from each other. And sometimes they get along, but mostly they just, they, um, they stand in circles and ponder about what the other one is doing. Um, and Romulans and Capulets. Exactly. Ex- exactly. The improvisers are usually like, oh, the standups are over there saying mean things. And the uh, standups are usually like, oh, the improvisers are over there acting like they're in a cult and like being overly overly nice to each other and like they are both no right. the the standards are over there saying mean things that's the <laughs> only dichotomy there <laughs> they're they're both absolutely correct uh, <laughs> um and where was i going with that oh just um i um i don't know <laughs> um the i think the way I, I don't know that the pandemic has changed a lot of the way that I relate to comedic peers to other comics, but I think it's because of um, how poorly I related to everybody before. Um, If anything, 
I don't know. I guess I could see some appreciation kind of for uh, for what you said, sort of um, like this is it. You know, it was almost like a really boring, slow life threat that we all went through. Well, you know, yeah, probably various levels of boring and slow, like sort of, you know, I'm sure um, everyone had different experiences, but this thing as being two, two and somewhat years long, just kind of this long, long thing. So it's almost like when they say, you know, oh, when you have some kind of uh, life or death experience, you have more appreciation afterwards. It's kind of like that, but like a boring version, maybe right. um, valuing people a little more. I have noticed um, there is a lot more support I've noticed in the stand-up community. Um, a lot more support of each other, a lot more uh, putting a lot more value in uh, the the craft of it, I guess it seems like um, really uh, not being quite as maybe, you know, stage presence could be self-deprecating, but off stage, it's like maybe trying to honor your own work and the work of others a little bit more and not being mm -hmm. quite so like, this is stupid and it doesn't matter to me. Now everyone's like, no, actually everything matters a lot to me now because I almost lost all of it. Um, so there, there's a very fun dichotomy with that, where I, I think around month six, I was talking to somebody and I was like, I don't know when this ends. But either we come out of it and there'll be two types of people, the people that spent the entire time like self-reflecting and like working on themselves and they'll come out and be completely different, much better people. And then the people that will like become psychotic, like we are, I am the only person that matters. Like it's, it's that moment that like, I remember seeing a neighbor of mine that lives three houses down from me at our grocery store at the corner when it was toilet paper crisis time. And mm -hmm. there was the sign that was like, we have toilet paper, just take one. And I watched them fill up their cart with it. And there was nothing anyone could do to stop. And I was like, for the rest of my life, I will carry a, a grudge against you, a little chip here, knowing that you have shown yourself to inherently be a bad person. And I was like, oh, but I'm also trying to work on me. So like the, the working on me to be better is being canceled out by the number of people that I hate and think intrinsically are are bad and beyond redemption. It was like these these water levels, I feel like, so when I, I meet people past this that have just evened out to be exactly like they were when we started, I'm like, I don't judge that actually. Like uh, <laughs> we, we had too much time to think about ourselves and we went uh, too far in both directions. So like, maybe that's okay. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Where do you land there? Did, did, do you come out of this being like, I, I like the, the Anna that I am better now? Or are you just like, we went through a tunnel of nothingness and there was no cell phone reception? <laughs> no, I'd say um, neither. <laughs> Mine's, um, I've, I can relate to, yeah, just, oh, well. Yeah, I can see it all. I can see all versions of that coming out. I can also see it as almost a cycle too of like being viciously angry at what you're seeing around you and then doing a lot of self-reflecting and then it sort of, yeah, it just sort of spins out into nothing. Mostly mm -hmm. I, um, oh, oh, I'm one of those people who has uh, depression and regret. That's what it is. And you're so trying to think I, of it because we can't <laughs> uh, do uh, object permanence anymore. I, I get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, you got it. You got it. Um, and so, 
Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping for, I'm staying optimistic, but when I think I just kind of go, oh, things were, things were uh, actually going okay for a minute there and I didn't appreciate them. And then now everything's a little bad and like, I don't work so good anymore. <laughs> And so that's you sound like the brave little toaster. (laughs) I love catching up with Lampy here. Jesus Christ, just a kitchen appliance. That's all I have to offer anymore. (laughs) Um, Um, Yeah, I want to let you go back to your very happy life here. Um, But uh, (laughs) I I, I did want to sort of sandwich this one in like we sort of talked about the beginning of this with like the way that people were like, oh, like Trump will be great for comedy at the start of 2017 uh, because tragedy and shock and horror beget funny jokes, I suppose. And sometimes they do. Um, And it feels like we are entering a similar period right now with the leak of the Supreme Court documents and what is uh, inevitably... Uh, coming in the courts and it feels like a time where it it it, um it has that very same sort of mouthfeel of despair that I'd sort of forgotten I was like at least in the the intervening years I got to be like well this fucking asshole is bad and like this is almost funny but it isn't and like uh, uh now it's back to that sort of like hopelessness I feel like or or like um less that than this sort of anger that um I, I, I think it's that 2017 thing where you're like, I, I do have an anger and I, I maybe don't want to channel it into comedy, even though that feels like what my natural inclination would be to do is to be like, well, the bleakest thing imaginable just happened. Let's unpack that. Uh, but that it's actually too bleak to do anything with. Um, where do you live emotionally right now? Like not just within the, the space of, you know, material but it like it we are people that approach life with a perspective that is sort of on like how would i convey this to others not just in like an on-stage way but just in how you interact with the world what what are you doing with what is happening right now to make it through (laughs) oh no numbing out uh Yeah. yeah uh mostly i can it's interesting because, uh, you know, things that, I mean, every, every second of this has been something that's like infiltrated our homes and our hearts and been something that's really, and, and I always thought that some of the things happening right now, you know, they're things I've just been worried about for years and years and years, you know, just watching them. And, and now that it's actually happening, I'm just like, I, I am a, amazed at how numb I am to it or how um but I say that and then I'm also like oh at an open mic the other night I was like making a joke about Ozarka water and then somehow made it about abortion (laughs) so maybe I'm wrong (laughs) all all um, roads lead back to uh (laughs) (laughs) all roads lead back to Ozarka I guess but uh but I I was going the other way with that flow but sure yes there we are (laughs) (laughs) uh so i i think we've had so much um that has happened to have like i mean i'd be amazed i'm amazed when i see people who can feel 
anymore. And this is not a, um, uh, like a, like a lack of interest or sensitivity to what's going on right now. This has been like major front of brain concerns of mine, active, active activism on some of, some of the present topics. And yet as it's happening, I'm truly just like throwing up my hands. Like I just, I don't even know. (laughs) So, and, and uh, I imagine, I don't know what, what level of, I bet there's going to be, you know how there's like, there's all these like stages of grief or stages of healing or like stages of recovery models that are out there. There's some stage model that's going to come out. That's going to reflect all of those of like what we're all collectively doing, but it's going to come out later and whatever's happening right now, at least my experience of it is definitely one of the stages. (laughs) Um, and so not, not given a range here, just like out of seven, it could be one of the seven. Let's acknowledge that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's hard to, you know, I'll just be like totally honest and not that funny. It's like hard to reflect, uh, wisely or, um, or accurately or self-reflect with wisdom or accuracy of any kind when you're just like in it. You know, like it's like uh, it's hard to and and maybe that can kind of reflect in in, um, you know, some of the difficulties of of comedy right now, too, more than I don't know, maybe we just went full circle and I'm kind of like against what I said in the beginning, um, which is that maybe maybe it is a little bit difficult to I don't know, it's just kind of it's kind of hard to be in the moment or to it's there's a lot of new feelings. And there's a lot of like, you know, the stakes are real high um, to the point where it almost feels like there are no stakes anymore because it's like, well, if everything is heightened, then what's heightened, you know, mm-hmm. any of that, any of that makes sense. It's okay. <laughs> well, I, I, I guess that re- leads to the obvious final question, which is um, great comedian or greatest comedian, Dave Chappelle. <laughs> where do you land there oh gosh oh wow um just the question I want to get asked at any time when I, I had a series of surprise questions that I wasn't sure what were what was about to happen um I will say in response to that there's a lot of fun local comedy shows you can go see we've got a we've got a pretty uh a pretty um i we've got a lot of like good uh local lgbtqia shows we've got a lot of trans yeah, comedians you, do, in you guys stacy Susanna, like yeah there's so many incredible shows that are doing great work but um you know every time they book ck or jordan peterson at the uptown at this point i'm just like what if instead we promoted those shows because like jesus christ what are we doing <laughs> well <laughs> well um gosh if that's your dream to go see them, then um, then you're loud on Facebook, and I'm, that's great for you. <laughs> we we've we've not gotten a chance to catch up on it, but yes, being in the Casey comedians uh, private Facebook group, uh, every time a newest show is announced here is just just a thrill of a time, especially as a a non performing comedian right now, just to be like, look at them all go. Look at everyone go there. Look at all those thoughts and opinions. What a time. What a time to be alive. 
<laughs> yeah, you said it. You said it. It's that. It's that reaction to that. And then that's also like the mood of everything <laughs> happening right now. That was exactly the stage I was trying to talk about. <laughs> okay, we nailed it. The, we're just all vibing at this point. Wonderful. Glad to hear. Yeah. Uh, where can people follow your work, uh, catch up <laughs> with you, stay up to date with uh, shows and so on and so forth? Oh, God. I feel guilty because I don't do anything. And I don't think you knew that. <laughs> but, uh, but, you can find me on the internet. Uh, gosh, I've got a broken Instagram page you can look at. Um, Why is I, it broken? I don't know. My my app doesn't work. <laughs> this isn't even just a I knew, bad. I knew you didn't have a lot of shows happening, but like, how is the Instagram gone? <laughs> this isn't even a bad like plug moment. This is like a. This is just a. Uncharming. This is a mess, and I apologize. <laughs> uh, you can I be find... honest? This has gone better than I thought it would. So, like, you're <laughs> you're nailing it. You're above the bar. <laughs> That's a shame. So, you can find me on. Um, what can you find me on? Oh, you can find me on Twitter, but I forgot my password. But I'm Anna Meow, like the cat. Me. M, wait, how do you spell meow? M-E-O-W, Smith, Anna Meow Smith <laughs> uh, on Twitter. But I don't know the password, so I won't say much. And then you can find me <laughs> at Anna Smithereens on Instagram, but my app is broken, so I won't show you much either. <laughs> and, uh, oh, I do shows regularly at the Bird Comedy Theater. It's a new um, theater in Kansas City and also the Kansas City Improv Company. Uh, the first one's in the Crossroads. The second one's in Westport. You can go there. <laughs> um, you could, you could, <laughs> you can find me on Facebook, but like, if that's a thing you're doing, then like, what are we, Republicans? Like, <laughs> Facebook's not real. And so I don't know what the point of that would be. Um, what was the question? <laughs> God, I just, uh, I'm so. Uh, oh, uh, my question was, hey, are you mad at me if I think you should have a career? And then you were like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, okay. exactly. You can, you can, where else? What's <laughs> I don't have, oh, wait, I do something, okay. but it's not so interesting. So don't worry. Doesn't matter. It. Just <laughs> something, just any, literally anything at this point. I do, uh, I do monthly. Oh, the first Saturday of the month at 10 PM, there's a stand-up show at the bird comedy theater that I may or may not be on. Um, and a bunch of other comedians will be on it but it's one that I'm producing. Uh, and then, uh, oh, I was on a podcast recently, the Audio Obscura podcast. You don't have to listen to my episode, but it's just a great podcast. So listen to that. I recommend that. I'll plug that. Um, <laughs> oh gosh, there's just a lot of good, I don't have a lot of stuff for me to plug. There's just a lot of good shows in Kansas City. Go see those. <laughs> Uh <laughs>
what is the name of your show at the bird called because i love the bird it's a great new venue what is the show called <laughs> it's called stand-up comedy at 10 o'clock it has no name this is why i should not i'm really this is why when i got this invitation i was like i wonder what this is about <laughs> if you want to cut out this entire interview it could just no. be your side of the conversation no this is actually uh this beautiful encapsulation of what it is like to come back to stand-up comedy <laughs> and to not be sure if you actually ever want to come back to stand-up comedy this is actually the most 2022 conversation imaginable. I'm going to put it into a time capsule for like 20, 30 years from now. This that, has really nailed it. I agree that that is the only value that this particular conversation has other than the delight of seeing you, which is, that part is true, but that's only a, a value for me personally, and maybe this cat. But um, like the, the only value that this interview has to people is like, you know, just a, a sort of snapshot of um, what it looks like to just try to have a conversation now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Historically, in this moment, how historically, psychologically, uh, the kind of research that can come from this interview specifically um, on the impact of trauma on conversation. <laughs> the, this conversation will be in the DSM-6. Like they'll be like, no, that this is diagnosable. Oh, do you have Smith Wilbur syndrome? Like, oh, it sounds uh -huh. like you're doing that right now. Like we can kind of hear it in your voice. Yeah. And I look forward to it. <laughs> I look forward to being, um, yeah, uh, of our names being used as kind of a buzzword later. I'm fun. I, I'm excited about that. I feel. Did you say I'm fun? <laughs> broken i really can't tell you enough how confused i'm I so was. sorry i i can tell that you had all you had in you was like 10 minutes of conversation and i took oh, it way too far beyond that less so much less you have no idea <laughs> well hey thank you for giving me so much of your precious time today wow, and i will let I... you get back to it <laughs> you don't you don't ever have to talk to me again if you don't want to i understand so well, really I'll see nice you back on the show you. next week when we'll continue <laughs> right, this conversation right. right where we okay. left off. Thank you so much, Anna. <laughs> Thank you so much. And ladies and gentlemen, that was the Streetwise podcast. And I think uh, the conclusion of your concern over your host, Brock Wilbur, looks like I think we're in the clear. But boy, howdy, all the parts of Kansas City do not seem to be in the best of places we have three different maybe tornadoes uh here's hoping that everyone is doing fine i hope by the time you hear this on friday morning uh that uh that everything has gone well uh pitch in and we'll make it through i guess uh for anything else all right thank you guys so much for listening uh check out what we do each and every day at the pitchkc.com uh take care of each other out there
This was a production of the Pitch Podcast Network. The Pitch is Kansas City's independent source for news and culture. Check out thepitchkc.com to see more podcasts from us, including information for how to subscribe to The Pitch or become a sustaining member. Story ideas or feedback? Write to tips at thepitchkc.com. Pitch in and we'll make it through.